This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Four minutes after the hour, it's Friday, November 19th. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Great to be with you this morning. Thanks so much for joining us across our nation on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Fridays, we always remember that this is the traditional day dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus, as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today, if you can, to spend just a few minutes, just a few moments in front of the Blessed Sacrament, if you can, meditating on the passion of our Lord, using perhaps the way of the cross or perhaps meditating on the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. Now, we have some very exciting new to share with our Relevant Radio family this morning. We're offering a new audio Advent calendar, daily episodes of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, brought to you by the Merry Beggars at Relevant Radio. We're talking about 25 professional actors. It's the first of its kind audio event calendar. New episodes of A Christmas Carol will be dropped in daily from December 1st all the way to Christmas Day on the 25th. Experience a Christmas classic the way it was intended to be told by Charles Dickens himself in 1843 London. Join your favorite characters from Scrooge to Tiny Tim in this timeless tale. So Gather around your radio or your computer for a story that the entire family can enjoy. Details about the Merry Beggars production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol are available at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. As we do every morning, uh, first things first, we start the day, start every hour giving thanks to the Lord for all the many blessings that we have, always asking through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every day, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from John 18, 37. Pilate said to him, so you are a king, Jesus answered. 
You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. This verse, of course, reminds us of the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. This coming Sunday, we celebrate the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as the book of Revelation tells us. Jesus is ultimately in charge of our nation and the whole world, not Washington, not Rome. Christ is our King. There are presidents, there are kings, there are prime ministers, but there's only Jesus Christ, who is the king of the universe. Christ is the ultimate authority from whom all power and all authority comes. We must, as Catholic Christians, accept Jesus as our king. We must seek first his kingdom and submit our will to him in everything. All of us who are of the truth hear his voice. And we pray with great confidence to King Jesus. Jesus, I trust in you. And now joining us for much more on our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Christ the King from San Juan, Puerto Rico, is Dr. Hector Marquez. Dr. Marquez holds graduate degrees in law and theology. He's an adjunct professor of theology and religious studies at the Universidad Central de Bayamón. He also teaches theological formation courses at the Instituto Superior de Teología y Pastoral of the Archdiocese of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, he's also lay Dominican and currently serves as the Master of Formation for the Dominican Lady of Puerto Rico. Good morning, Dr. Marquez. Welcome back to Morning Air. Always good to be with you. Good morning, John. Glad to be back uh, in your program and this special day for us because today uh, we celebrate uh, the solemnity of our patroness, our Lady, Mother of the Divine Providence, uh, which is the uh, patroness of Puerto Rico. Uh, so we are having a very special occasion today. Oh, well, that's a, it's a beautiful feast day uh, for all the, the, the good folks, uh, the, pe the faithful in Puerto Rico. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's great to be able to talk to you about this coming Sunday's feast, uh, which comes every year on the last Sunday of uh, the liturgical year uh, in which the Catholic Church celebrates the, the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, King of the universe, uh, or Christ the King. I love this feast. Uh, I have a, such a special devotion uh, to our Lord as, as truly he really is our king as I said here uh, at, at the beginning. Uh, why does uh, the church celebrate this solemnity of Christ the King um, here at the end of the liturgical year? Yes, uh, as, as you may have been aware throughout all the liturgical year the readings in the liturgy have been leading us all the way up to Jerusalem where Christ will culminate his mission to establish the kingdom of God on earth through his passion, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, after promising us that he will return at the end of times to reign for all eternity. The solemnity, which is intended to give special recognition to the dominion of Christ our Lord has over all aspects of our lives, is celebrated precisely on the last Sunday in the liturgical year to emphasize the connection between Christ's kingship and our present advent, which prepares us for his second coming to judge the world and reign forever and ever at the end of times. 
And Dr. Marquez, uh, th- this is a feast um, that has been around now for almost uh, a century. Can you talk a little bit about uh, uh, when it was uh, instituted and, and the reason why uh, this feast uh, was instituted uh, by the Catholic Church? Yes, uh, uh, this feast was originally instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925. As a matter of fact, December 11, 1925, and was celebrated on the last Sunday of October initially, a week before All Saints Day and four weeks before Advent, to remind the people that Jesus Christ is not is not only King of this world, reigning among nations today, but that He is also the eternal King. Pope Pius XI was prompted to institute the feast uh, uh, by the secularism and social and political degradation that characterized the post-World War I era, which many considered the, the basics of morality and the teachings of the Church to be out of date, no longer relevant in the 20th century society. Modern thinking at that time allowed that at most Christ might have might be king in the private life of the individual, but certainly not in the public world. Does that ring a bell, John? Absolutely. <laughs> We're still dealing with these same issues here today. Uh, same people issues. trying to take Christ out of the public squirrel, uh, square. Uh, people uh, talking about the separation of, of church and state, uh, which really conflicts with traditional Catholic teaching. Yes, yes. And that was the same issues that Pope Pius XI was facing in 1925. And he used the historical juncture of the celebration of the 16th, of the 1600s uh, 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 celebration of the Council of Nicaea, where the phrase, his kingdom will have no end, was embedded into the Nicene Creed, which we still profess at Mass every Sunday. Now, in 1966, Pope Paul VI changed the name of the celebration to its current name of Feast of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of All, and raised the feast to the highest rank of celebration on the church calendar, that is, a solemnity, and changed the date to the last Sunday in the liturgical year, emphasizing even more strongly the connection between Christ's kingship and his second coming to judge the world. I think that one of the messages uh, of uh, Pope uh, Pius XI at, at the time, and again, the, the contest, this is just a few years after uh, the incredible atrocities of World War One and all the suffering and all the millions of, of people that died uh, during that first World War. Um, I think that the message was that there's no hope uh, of lasting peace among nations uh, uh, until uh, we have the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts uh, collectively. Uh, the the uh, the idea of Pax Christi in Regno Christi, uh, the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ, uh, Doctor. Yes, yes, and and uh, and, and that, that message <clears throat> is as relevant today as it was when Pope Pius eleven uh, 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 instituted the feast originally, as you have said, because today in our current world, uh, uh, with this relativism that we are, we are living in our daily lives, in our government. We have taken God out of our government, out of our schools, out of our institutions. And, and religious freedom for many people now, today, means that we can believe whatever we want in private. But when we enter our place of employment, 
the public square or the marketplace, we may not speak of anything that relates to our faith. However, the church acknowledges with this feast and then the solemnity instituted by, by, by Pope uh, Paul VI, uh, acknowledges the reign of Christ not only privately but publicly. This solemnity encourages us as Christian Catholics to celebrate and live our faith in public. Because when our faith is repeatedly marginalized in public life, we can fall into the, into the habit of compartmentalizing our lives. That is. Absolutely. No Yeah. We love Jesus in our private lives, but we shrink from acknowledging the kingship of Christ in social life. When we celebrate this solemnity of Christ the King, we declare to the world and remind ourselves that Jesus is the Lord of the church and of the entire universe, regardless of whether we are a factory worker or hold public office. There are no middle grounds. God has very harsh words for the likes. Uh, we, we, I, I refer you to Revelations 3, 15, 16, uh, where he says, I know your works. I know that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And that is uh, some very strong language that many people in our time should pay careful attention to. Dr. Marquez, um, I think that uh, uh, this message of Christ being uh, the, the king of the universe, obviously that means the king of our nation is so important uh, because to put it in perspective, uh, at the end of the day, as I said at the beginning, uh, it, it's not, uh, you know, the White House. It's not the leaders in uh, the large cities uh, in Europe or in China or anywhere else in the world that are ultimately in charge. Our Lord Jesus Christ is truly the king of the entire universe. Uh, his divine providence rules everything. Nothing happens without his uh, direct uh, will or, or his permissive will, uh, doctor. Yeah, it's like some people would say, he's the boss. Exactly. You got it. You got it. He's the boss. Uh, so our special guest is very clear in our lives. Yeah. I started to say I, I uh, want to remind our folks that we're uh, talking to Dr. Hector Marquez uh, live from San Juan, Puerto Rico. He, he's a theologian. He's the master of formation for the Dominican lady of uh, Puerto Rico. And we're talking about the importance of the, the feast of Christ the King coming up here um, th this Sunday. You know, we, we call uh, our Lord Jesus Christ the King of King and the Lords of Lords. Uh, I believe that he is he is the best. He, he really is the greatest hero of all times because he's the Lord of the empty tomb. I mean, you have all these other heroes throughout history. Uh, you can name them all, and not one of them can say that they're the Lord of the empty tomb, Doctor. Yes, that's right. That's correct, John. Um, how important is it uh, to uh, understand uh, some of the scriptural passages uh, that show us the kingship uh, of Jesus Christ? Yes. Uh, first of all, I wish to direct our audience to uh, the original encyclical of Pope Pius XI, which is called Quas Primas, Q-U-A-S, separate word, P-R-I-M-A-S. It's readily available in the Internet. And in, in Numbers 8 and 9, he gives us a long list of scriptural passages that point and confirm to the 
uh, 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 kingship of Christ. But in addition to the readings uh, for the solemnity, which are Daniel uh, chapter 7, verses uh, 13, 14, Psalms number 93, and Revelation 1, 5 to 8, and John, with, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, gospel, which is John 13, 37. And of course, the, we have to mention the passage of the Annunciation, where in Luke chapter 1, verses 32, 33, the angel tells Mary that his son will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And of course, we have the Epiphany, where the wise men come to bear gifts and pay homage to the king, uh, uh, which is uh, something very, very uh, touching. And there is one passage which I always refer to when dealing uh, with the kingship of Christ, and it's Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, of God the Father. And finally, uh, uh, but, but, but there are many others, as I have said, Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 says, The kingdom of the world now belongs to our Lord and to his anointed, and he will reign forever and ever. So there is no doubt that the scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament all point to the kingship of Jesus Christ, our Lord, over the entire universe. No question about it, uh, the doctor. And in fact, one of my favorite passages that makes it uh, uh, explicit is, uh, I believe it's in uh, Revelation chapter 19, where Jesus is described as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, oh, yes. That's where that beautiful title comes from. And I think it's uh, it's so evident from uh, from Scripture and from the, the writings of uh, Pope uh, Pius XI, uh, who wrote that beautiful encyclical... Uh, we're coming up on the 100th anniversary uh, here uh, in a couple of years uh, from the 1925 encyclical uh, that you mentioned, uh, Quas Primas. Um, there, there's so many different scriptures. In fact, one other one that just comes to mind off the top of my head is, you know, when, when our Lord gave uh, Peter uh, his authority oh, yeah. in Matthew 16, he gave Peter and, and he, he gave him the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which implies that he is the king. It's his kingdom. And, and you, Peter, you are the rock upon this church I, uh, uh, that I will build my church. And so Peter is receiving that authority. He's kind of like the prime minister of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's the ultimate yeah. king. Yeah, he did not only give him, he did not give him the keys to the, uh, to the church. No, he gave him the keys to the kingdom. Absolutely. Um, can you talk a little bit about the the relationship between uh, this uh, solemnity of uh, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, King of the of the universe, and the feast of Mary, Queen of Heaven, uh, which we also contemplate in the fifth mystery of the Rosary uh, as as our, our Queen of Heaven and Earth? 
Oh, yes. As you know, I am a devout uh, Catholic and I, I, I have a very special devotion uh, to Our Lady. And uh, this is something that is, yeah, that is something that is very important to me because, as you know, uh, in the in the in the uh, in the Judaic world, the queen was the mother of the king. That is, the 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 people of Israel had the queen mother, the concept of queen mother. So, if Jesus is the king of the universe, Mary, his mother, is the queen of heaven, also. So, uh, I refer you to. First book of Kings, chapter 2, verse 19, where it says, Then Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, and the king stood up to meet her and paid her homage. Then he sat down upon his throne, and a throne was provided for the king's mother who sat at his right. That why she was assumpted to heaven, because she is now sitting in the place where she belongs, which is in a throne at the right of her son, the king of the universe. Absolutely. And uh, our Blessed Mother is not only the queen mother, but she's also our mother, our spiritual mother. So we have her both as mother and as queen. Uh, a beautiful relationship. Those two hearts are so connected. They beat like one heart and that of, of, of Jesus and Mary. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Dr. Marquez, uh, it, as always, it, it's, it's a joy to be with you uh, so much. Uh, appreciate your insights on uh, this so important feast that culminates the entire church year coming up here this Sunday, the, the Feast of, of Christ the King. Uh, doctor, uh, a final word. Well, uh, I, I, I encourage all Christian Catholics to, first of all, adore our King Jesus Christ and put our world in His hands because His dominion will last forever. And we, if, if we put all our faith and all our energy into that, that will, that will come because that is what he promised, that his kingdom will last forever. So if we put our faith in that, we can rest assured that he will always deliver what he promises. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Marquez. Uh, God bless you uh, for being with us. And thank you for having with me, John. Dr. Hector Marquez, adjunct professor of theology and religious studies at the Universidad Central de Bayamón in Puerto Rico. We need to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, we'll be joined by our good friend, Catholic author Gary Zimick, is uh, going to be with us to discuss Thanksgiving and gratitude. Stay with us. There's much more to come as Morning Air continues. From Maui to Maine, you're listening to Morning Air with John Morales, coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. What make you? Yeah. What make you? 29 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Great to be with you again. Our number, if you want to be, excuse me. If you want to be part of the program, that's 888 I think I need a sip of water. Now, with uh, Thanksgiving Day right around the corner uh, coming up uh, next week, uh, the name of this national holiday speaks for itself. It's, it's a great day. It's a great opportunity to take a moment and really remember all that we should be grateful for. 
How can we be truly grateful this Thanksgiving for all the many blessings that we have received from the good Lord? Now joining us for much more on Thanksgiving and gratitude is longtime Morning Air contributor Gary Zimmick, Catholic speaker, author, and radio host. Uh, Gary is the author of several books, including his latest new book called Journey with God, Finding Peace and Happiness. His previous book called Give Up Worry for Good. Uh, Gary lives in South Jersey with his wife and two daughters. Good morning, Gary. Happy Friday. Uh, Great to be with you once again. Uh, John, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me back on. This is a wonderful and very uh, relevant topic that we have this morning. Uh, Why is it so important to be grateful to God for all that he has done for us? You know, John, for one thing, and and before I answer the question, I I, I do want to say this does not come easy or naturally to me. I I am not one of those naturally grateful people, but, but I've learned that it is important to be grateful. One of the reasons is that God deserves it because he has done so much for me. And oftentimes I ignore all the things he's done for me because I'm too busy complaining. But there's also a benefit for me because if I begin to recognize all of these seemingly little things that God has done for me, it's going to help me to be at peace because I'll realize how much he loves me, how much he's taking care of me. And going forward, I'm, I'm going to not worry as much because I'm, I'll realize that God has always been there for me. He continues to bless me in so many ways. Maybe I'll be able to, to handle life, you know, in a, in a much more peaceful way, knowing, keeping that in mind. Absolutely. And when I think of, of gratitude, I, I, I always seem to think of, of Father Rocky. His words kind of echo in my in my mind. You know, he, he's talked about so many times, uh, especially during pledge drives, uh, about how everything is a gift. Every day is yeah. a gift. Everything we get is comes from God. And so I think with that perspective, that can help to open up our hearts. You know, exactly. And and one of the things that I have I've trained myself to do, and again, I, I really have to work at this, is is to really pause, especially when I wake up in the morning and, and before I go to bed at night. My wife and I do this together, and we just list our, our many blessings, starting with the fact that we have a bed to sleep in, we have a roof over our heads, you know. We have so many material things, and also we have the ability to go to Mass to receive Jesus and, and to worship this God who has given us so much. So uh, it, it's it's something that is easy to take for granted, but we have to remember that, like you said, as Father Rocky has, has said, that everything that we have been given comes from God. I was blessed last night to be able to speak at, at a local retreat house in the Philadelphia area, and um, I, I was able to sell some books. And, and you know, sometimes I, I forget, and I always try to force myself to remember this, that any money that I make for my full-time ministry to support my family, it's not really coming from me or even from the people who pay me. Ultimately, it's coming from God. And so I I try to always recognize the the many blessings, even the financial blessings that he gives me, even though it seems like I might be doing the work. If he wasn't providing the opportunities and sending the people to me, there would be no financial blessing. Uh, that's a great perspective. Uh, God, at the end of the day, has all the money. We're merely stewards. Yeah. We're yeah. we're uh, in charge of whatever He allows us to to, to work with. And so I, I think that that's that's a great perspective. And it doesn't matter whether you make a, a little money or you make a ton yeah. of money. Either way, you're still a steward, and it's all a gift coming from the Lord. 
It is. And you know, another thing, John, you and I are having this conversation on the radio right now. One of the things I, I give thanks for every morning is my voice because I do a lot of radio. I, I started and to lose right? mine there at the top. I know. I, I Believe me, my heart was going out to you because I've been there. <laughs> it's, it's tough. But, you know, but if we didn't have this voice, you and I wouldn't be able to share God's uh, kingdom with so many people. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's so easy uh, to kind of take things for granted. I think it's part of our human nature. We sort of take all the many gifts and the many blessings uh, for, for granted. Um, and I think your idea of, of making a list of all the, the many blessings, is, 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 it's a really good exercise. Gary, have you ever found yourself um, in front of the Blessed Sacrament or just in front of the crucifix and you, you just something that happened and you're just so grateful, you just want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. It happens all the time. And, and oftentimes it's something that I didn't expect or something that I, I ignored or overlooked. Because as you said, it is so easy to look overlook these, these many things that we take for granted. Uh, you know, just the fact that I, I was able to walk out of the bedroom today and, you know, to the, into the room here to do the interview and uh, the, the the miracle of the the you know the blessing of the internet connection that enables you and I to speak right now. There's so many things, the air that we breathe, you know, so many things that are so seemingly insignificant or things we take for granted. They are they are opportunities to really say thanks. And yes, sitting before the Lord, I happened to I was blessed to be able to do that yesterday in adoration for a little bit. It, it, things pop into my head and I just say, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you for letting me be able to get here. I had a car to drive to, to adoration to spend some time with the Lord. But I, I believe it's a process, John. I believe it's something that um, I'm going to continue to have to work on, you know, and I think the Holy Spirit helps us if we ask the Holy Spirit, help me to to call to mind the, these blessings, these things that I, that I often take for granted, which aren't, you know, they aren't rights. It's not a right to be able to wake up in the morning and breathe. It's a gift. Absolutely. Uh, I want to invite our listeners, if you want to uh, share uh, your experience of Thanksgiving, uh, your experience of gratitude, the many blessings that you receive from the from the Lord, and you want to shout it out from the mountaintops here on Relevant Radio, give us a call, uh, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Gary, I wear a bracelet that was given to me about four or five years ago, and on it it says, every day is a gift, and it's a never-ending reminder of that reality. Every time I see my loved ones, every time I see my mom, I mean, you always have to realize it's a, that moment is a gift. We never know the day or the hour, especially as we approach Thanksgiving, when it'll be the last time that we see our loved ones, that we see our grandparents or our parents. Yeah, and it's good to have those reminders because, y you know, you and I, we can easily get overwhelmed by... Uh, by the the events of daily life, we could get we can get caught up in the the busyness of life, and it, it it's important to have those reminders. And you know, sometimes, John, this this comes to mind as we're speaking. As I said, I was I was giving a talk last night, and uh, I talked to a, a gentleman afterward. He and he said to me, you know, one of the points that I always make in my talks is that through my anxiety, the Lord has got my attention, and and really, I turned to Him because of my anxiety. I was looking for relief. And, and the, the gentleman I was speaking with last night said that he had recently been in the hospital with COVID, which developed into pneumonia, and he had some other condition on top of that. And he said he recognized that it was God's way of getting him to slow down. And he looked at this, seam, this, this cross, this storm that he was going through as a blessing. And, and I think, and this is really challenging, but I, I try whenever I can 
to not only be thankful for the pleasant things in life, but also for the crosses that the Lord gives me, because that's how he gets me to draw closer to him. And also ultimately, and again, this is a, this is a difficult concept, but it, but I've really found this to be true. It's through the crosses that he gives us that we get to experience peace. And, and you know, that is a, that is a hard thing to wrap our brains around, but it's really true because he wouldn't allow these things in our lives unless it could somehow bless us and, and grant us his peace because we're doing his will. So, you know, that's the next level up to not only be thankful for the pleasant things in life, but for the, for the inconveniences and the, the crosses that we suffer. Absolutely. And I, and I think that if we keep in mind that, um, the Lord knows the crosses that he sends us. Your mm-hmm. cross is different than mine and That's than right. our listeners. Everybody has their own unique custom-made cross direct uh, from heaven just for our own uh, very sanctification, for our ultimate good, really. So uh, it, it's a matter of perspective. I think as we grow deeper in, 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 the, in the spiritual life, uh, we come to re- recognize that there really is such value uh, to these tough times, to this suffering that we might be going through with our little crosses. I think you hit on the key right there as we grow deeper in the spiritual life. You know, it took me a took me a long time to be willing to accept that. And God understands that. He he understands it. And I think most of the um most of the 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 suffering that we experience when we are enduring a cross, or a great deal of it, comes from the fact that we tend to, and I'm very, I'm very prone to do this, we tend to fight against the cross and we try to just, you know, reject it. But Really, by leaning into the cross, by embracing the cross, by making that conscious decision, it is where we experience the peace. You know, and that's boy, it's I'm I'm going to be working on that for the rest of my life. But I find that it's getting easier because of this knowledge that I have that that God loves me, and that's 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 hard to to grasp sometimes when you're going through something very difficult. And I run into a lot of people. I I, I know my audiences, people who come to hear me speak. Many of them are hurting very badly and going through some serious, serious problems. But, you know, I, I've, I've dealt with people who are in the midst of serious, tremendous storms who are incredibly peaceful because they have that relationship with the Lord. But, but it really does take time. This is a gradual process to, to get to that point. And, and this is uh, one of uh, three truths that you've discovered over the years that you've in, written about in, in your book. Uh, the three truths that God loves me, God is with me, God is bigger than my problems. You know, I believe so strongly in that, that I, I devote a third of my new book, Journey with God, to that very, to those three, those three truths. Because John, if we realize, you know, and, and I, I address the topic of worrying a lot, if we realize that God loves me, that God is with me, and that God is bigger than any problem that I can face, meaning that he can take it away. If for some reason he would feel it's not good for me, if I always keep those three truths in mind, I technically will be able to break free from worry because I'll realize that God's in control and he wouldn't allow whatever it is that I'm going through to happen to me if it wasn't somehow good for me. You know, that's uh, it's again, that's one of those tough concepts, but it's something that I really feel is important. It's something I try to remember in my life. It's, you know, I look back now 
to when I was young and my parents would take me to get booster shots when I was a kid. I would always hate to go to the doctor. I didn't get it at the time. I thought they were being mean to me. I thought they were, the doctor was mean to me, but now I realize they did it because they loved me. And you know, you don't always get it when you go through, uh, when you're going through the storm at the time. But if we do understand, we're not talking about some hands-off God. We're, we're talking about an almighty God who knows personally what I am going through. He's got his hand on the thermostat. He's turning up the heat till the point where I, you know, I can't, he's not going to turn it up higher than I can do it, but he's doing it because he loves me. He wants me to draw closer to him. Gary, uh, we have about 30 seconds. Just a quick thought on the upcoming Feast of Christ the King and the importance of, of making our Lord Jesus king of our hearts in everything. I think you just hit on the key, making him king of our hearts in everything. Am I willing to follow the Lord no matter where he sends me? Is he really the king of my life? Or there are many other things really ruling me besides Jesus. That's uh, something we, I think we should all think about, and it's definitely on my mind as we near this uh, solemnity in a few days. Gary, it's been a joy. Uh, happy Thanksgiving in anticipation of the feast. Uh, great uh, to be with you this morning. Thank you, John. It's always a pleasure. God bless you, my friend. Many blessings to you. Gary Zimmick, longtime Morning Air contributor, Catholic speaker, and author of his latest book, Journey with God, Finding Peace and Happiness. We're going to take a short break when Morning Air returns. Bishop Daniel Muggenberg will look ahead to this Sunday's gospel on the Feast of Christ the King. So stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air. We'll be right back after a short break. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. From Maui to Maine, you're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you. And now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. A Gospel reading for this Sunday, the Solemnity of Christ the King, comes out of the 18th chapter of John. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the King of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And now for an in-depth look at that gospel reading out of John 18 for the Solemnity of Christ the King. Joining us once again, the Bishop of Reno, Nevada, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg. Bishop Muggenberg, always great to have you along. Great to be here, Glenn, especially for this great feast day. Absolutely. A great feast day and a great gospel reading here as we look at an interaction between our Lord and Pilate. And uh, it quickly turns into not as much a, a quiz for, for Jesus as for Pilate. 
Absolutely. When we read this scene from the Gospel of John, we have to, I, I think, really be inspired by uh, the personal encounter that's happening between Jesus and Pilate and the tremendous, tremendous grace, and I would even say the tremendous opportunity that Jesus is extending to, Pius, to Pilate, and yet he does not accept this offer. So sadly, um, he chooses to remain in his own enclosed world and his own um, relativistic understanding of truth. But when this when this starts is with that very first question, uh, when Pilate says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds to Pilate, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Um, you know, that exchange of questions is so fascinating. And in John's gospel, Jesus poses enduring questions, questions that aren't just momentary meant for one person, but questions that are meant for all of us as disciples to answer. And that very first one, the Pilate, is Jesus is challenging Pilate to say, Pilate, are, are you just repeating rumors or do you have a personal profession of faith for you to make about me? And he's really inviting Pilate to discipleship. Turns out to be that oral exam for Pilate, as it were. And uh, in our modern culture, we don't necessarily interact that way too much unless it's seen almost as sarcastic to answer a question with a question. But yet uh, it, w it was a very important question that uh, Pilate needed to think about and live on as a question for us today. Yes, and as you say, Pilate is actually... Uh, on trial in this moment. He's facing the greatest test of his life as Jesus is offering him an opportunity to make a decision, to make a personal decision for our Lord. Um, but unfortunately, as we'll see it unfold, Pilate's unable to do that. But that question should hang over our day for each one of us. Who do we say Jesus is? Do we just repeat what we have heard other people say? Or do we make that profession of faith our own in personal conviction and in committed relationship? So that's the first thing. How we answer that question will determine whether we, like Pilate, pass or fail this critical moment of test. And to answer that question correctly, we really do need to have those eyes of faith and to, to pray that we have good eyesight with those. Yeah. Well, having good eyesight, certainly. Um, but we also need to understand that um, answering that question isn't just an intellectual question. You know, um, any time that um, the Gospel of John speaks about faith, uh, it's never in a noun form. It's always in a verb form. And so faith is an active dynamic by which a person is living out their commitment and their relationship to Jesus in a transformation of life. That's what John understands faith to be, that active, committed immersion into the life of the Blessed Trinity that is changing every aspect of how we live each day. Um, anytime that we try to reduce faith to just an intellectual ascent that doesn't have that practical impact in our lives, uh, John would say that we are falling far short of the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. Um, and we see that um, in this uh, particular uh, passage being played out, um, where Jesus um, uh, speaks about everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Now, when he talks about belonging to the truth and listening to my voice, he's not speaking about hearing in a peripheral sense. He's really speaking about listening with obedience, listening with conformity of life 
listening with an eagerness to be conformed to the truth that we hear. We cannot underestimate the importance of uh, this passage as well, speaking about the mission of our Lord. Yes. You know, um, in John's Gospel, Jesus, uh, Jesus reveals himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. And it's not the first time that John has spoken about Jesus as being the truth. Actually, if we go back to the very first chapter of John's Gospel, you know, Jesus is introduced as being full of grace and truth. And whenever we have that description of being full of grace and truth, that's a description of God himself from the Old Testament. And so Jesus now says he has come to testify to the truth. That What that means is that Jesus is coming to testify, to witness to the very presence of God um, for us. And our Lord will do that as he fully reveals the truth of who God is on the cross of Calvary. Um, and so that, that, that very beautiful um, uh, teaching of Jesus, that he in himself is the truth of the Father, a truth that is revealed on Calvary. And when we belong to that truth, when we listen to that truth, and when we allow that truth to um, shine through our lives for others, then we are listening to his voice, and we are we're actually becoming his disciple. Well, we see, uh, you know, this in addition to the conversation with Herod, just uh, great evidence of Christ's humility. When he's asked here if he is the king, he could say, I certainly am, and you're really in trouble now. But he says, you know, <laughs> he, he explains what his job is. My job is to point to the truth. Yes, yes. And uh, he, 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 um, he witnesses that um, by making God known. That's his mission in the world. And then he says in uh, chapter 20, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And so we need to remember that part of our identity as Christians is also to bear witness to the truth of who God is so that the world can come to know and believe in the one whom the Father has sent. Um, and that's an important part, you know, of, of how we um, carry out our discipleship. And anytime we acknowledge that Jesus is the truth, then what we're acknowledging is that there is an objective reality that determines right and wrong that determines truth and falsehood. It's not something that we can shape to fit our own individual wants or desires according to each changing situation. That's how Pilate looks at truth. But Jesus says, if you accept my truth, then you are accepting my reign in your life. You're accepting my teaching as the governing principle of your life. You're, you're, you're accepting my revelation as, as the objective reality that, that will determine how you live and the choices you make. And so for us as Christians, that's great news. But that's, that's an ascent to an objective truth, not the subjective truth that Pilate wants to hold on to. Men and women in 2021 might struggle a little bit with the image of a king. Uh, that wasn't the case when this was written for much of history as well. However, the idea of being a loyal subject, we can probably understand that, and we really need to put that into practice. And one of the things we always need to remember anytime we read kingship language in the Gospels is that it isn't just about the supreme authority, or it isn't just about the absolute reign, or the absolute autonomy, or whatever else. But um, for, for a Jewish audience, um, God was always the king. And while there may be earthly people who bore that title, they always had the responsibility of representing 
God, especially God's justice, God's mercy, God's faithfulness, God's love. Some kings did that better than others. But when Jesus now is revealing himself as a king, he's really the king, Jesus is the one who most perfectly reveals the face of the Father. And that's why he can accept the title King of the Jews that will be placed above the cross, because he alone um, can perfectly reveal to us who the Father is. And even he will say to Philip in the Gospel of John, uh, when Philip says, show us the Father, you know, Jesus will say, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And that is why Jesus can be the true King of Israel. Well, very good, Bishop Muggenberg. And if you'd be so kind as to wrap us up this week with your blessing. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God, who invites all of us to accept his kingship and his role as king in each of our lives every day, fill us with the grace to willingly and eagerly uh, participate and submit as obedient members of his kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Muggenberg. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn's Story Corner. I know the flurries are flying, but I'm missing baseball. So uh, one more baseball story for you here today. It's called Holding All the Cards. It's from Caroline Fanning and Reader's Digest. When 10-year-old Reese Osterberg lost her Fresno County, California home to one of the largest wildfires in state history, Early last fall, she had a very pressing concern. Did anyone grab her baseball cards? No one had. With a house full of kids and dogs and a farm's worth of horses to evacuate, the family forgot the cards amid the stress. Naturally, the diehard San Francisco Giants fan and Little League lefty with a swing as smooth as butter was upset. When she watched the Giants on TV, she'd lay out each player's card on the floor in his corresponding field position. I like baseball cards, she said, because they're pictures of people doing happy stuff, doing what they love and what I love. Reese's loss touched the hearts of the Fresno County Fire Department, which posted her story on its Facebook page with a plea to help Reese to restock her baseball card collection. That, in turn, touched the heart of Kevin Ashford. Ashford knew exactly where Reese could find replacement cards in his garage. He had more than 25000 in his collection, with a ballpark value of $35,000 to $50,000. Ashford had been thinking about selling them when he saw the fire department's post. I wasn't really doing anything with them, says Ashford. I thought I could take care of this problem rather quickly. First responders transported the cards from Ashford's garage to theirs and then surprised Reese during a tour of the firehouse. Towers of Ashford's cards were stacked in front of the fire engine. After thanking Ashford, especially for the Buster Posey, her favorite giant, Reese, ever the team player, was quick to share the thousands of baseball cards she received from Ashford and donors around the country with other kids affected by California's Creek Fire. She's gotten so many, in fact, she started sending cards from Reese, an organization collecting cards and donating them to those in need. Reese is especially happy to part with the Los Angeles Dodgers cards, as she explains it, Go Giants! From Hebrews 13:16, Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Great baseball story. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. I still have my Roberto Clemente baseball card from when I was a kid. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Catholic attorney Mary Helen Fiorito will be with us to 
give us her take on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial from a legal and from a Catholic perspective. And Dr. Jim Schrader will join us to discuss the importance of communication. The question for today, how effective and empathetic is your communication? We'll talk about it coming up. Stay with us. There's much more to come next hour here on Morning Air.